Spiritually Grown. I'm your host, Brian Willie, along with my co-host, John Kessler. Episode 81 features the head coach of Solon High School, Lucas Stanton. Coach Stanton will detail his rise in the coaching ranks, share with us coaching mentors he's had along the way that have influenced him in his coaching philosophy, and reveal the details of the Bucks sweep play that has been implemented at Solon High School this past season. For the full clinic included in this episode, including video of the Bucks sweep play, please visit our YouTube channel by searching Intentionally Grounded. Season 4, Episode 3 of Intentionally Grounded with Coach Lucas Stanton starts now. All right, we're joined tonight by Lucas Stanton of Solon High School. Uh, Coach, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so first of all, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, just a little bit about my background and, and where I came from. Uh, I really got into coaching in 2006. Um, I finished up at Cornell College in 2005, um, playing-wise, and then I had actually come back for uh, an extra semester to finish up my degree. And um, I don't know if you guys are um, familiar with Matt Dillon, Coach Dillon. Um, he was at Dowling Catholic, I think, uh, in the late 90s, maybe early 2000s. And he had just taken over uh, at Cornell as a new coach, um, introduced myself to him maybe once or twice during that winter. And then, uh, you know, for some reason, you know, and I really hadn't thought about coaching a whole lot um, through my four years. I wasn't an education major at the time. I was going into exercise science and, you know, our paths just crossed again in the spring. And you guys, if you're familiar with D3, you know, you know, it's kind of like high school. We'll take what you get coaching wise. I think he was looking for some extra help and uh, ran into me and asked if I'd be willing to coach running back since I was going to be in the area. And I'm originally from Mount Vernon. So um, I was going to be around during the summer and whatnot. I'm cheap. I was cheap help. So um, there was no interview process. Just, you know, asked me right away. And I said, yes. And um, man, that was, a, that was a great experience. So that's kind of where I got started. And it was kind of, you know, just by chance that I was just going to be around and I was still a student technically. So, you know, really the only thing that he had um, for me was just, you have to make sure you separate from the guys you played with, you know, you can't be their friend and, and their buddy. And um, other than that, um, and he gave me full reign of the running backs and um, let me go. Um, so I was super appreciative of that. Um, that's where I got started. And Coach there the next year as well in 2007, um, coached receivers that year actually. And then from there, I thought, oh man, I, I think I might want to do this for a little bit longer. So I looked at some graduate assistant positions and uh, was a GA at the University of Dubuque uh, for a little while um, with Coach Vince Brodigum, um, who was at Cornell actually um, the, the previous uh, 10 years. Um, so then when he went to Cornell, I actually went back to Cornell with him and coached there for a couple of years. And then just kind of decided, you know, this college thing um, may not be for me, um, but I did know that I wanted to stay in coaching. I loved it that much. Um, you know, the money at the division three level, not great. So you get some student loans going, you, you need to make some money. So um, I, during that time, I had got my master's in secondary ed and got my teaching licensure. And, you know, I had been in that Mount Vernon area my whole life. And I had a buddy out in Ohio that said, yeah, I'm taking over a program that needs some work. How about you come help me out? Um, so I took my first teaching job and high school job out in uh, Marietta, Ohio, actually, Southeast Ohio, and was out there for two years um, as a defense coordinator and actually associate head coach, did the strength and conditioning. And then after two years, um, had enough of Ohio, wanted to come back to Iowa, had family back here, just wanted to get back and uh, took a job at North Cedar 
and I was there for a few years um, as a DC and then um, took over. That was actually my first time being a head coach um, was there. And I did that for one year. Um, and truth be told, I got kind of burnt out that year uh, being the AD, head football coach, dean of students, um, did, did the strength and conditioning class in the morning. Um, and, and my wife's an elementary principal. So we kind of had, you know, very not, not great schedules together. And I knew moving forward, having a young family, um, that wasn't going to work. So after that, you know, I spent a year at Dubuque Waller, kind of call that my rejuvenation year, um, as just a defensive coordinator and coached with a buddy of mine that I met at uh, the university of Dubuque, Travis Zajac, who's now at Grundy center and doing a phenomenal job there. Um, and then life happens, wife gets pregnant and can't make that hour drive up to Dubuque every, every day. And, um, Anamosa had a head job open. So I went there for three years and here I am now at Solon, uh, just completed my, my first year there. So um, I know that's kind of a lot, long, long road there, but um, I think that gives kind of the, uh, my background of where I've been as a coach and whatnot. So, um, you know, and just kind of going off the script you guys gave me. So um, some coaches that have shaped my philosophy um, through that time, obviously the guys that I coached with at all those, those spots learned from, but, uh, you know, I had some really great junior high and high school coaches. I mean, going all the way back to junior high, um, I had a guy named John Schwiebert, who, uh, who's now passed, but um, really taught me a lot just about athletics in general and life. And then um, my head football coach was Coach Jim Bellamy, um, who just passed away actually a couple of weeks ago. He's in the Iowa Hall of Fame, uh, has over 300 wins, three state titles. Um, that man really kind of, you know, left a great impression on me as a, as a young person. And really, um, I think that's kind of what jump started me into, you know, even having a chance to be a football player, um, go into college and then, you know, go down the path of coaching. Um, you know, he was, he was not necessarily a relational coach, but he's very hard disciplined military style, but he did care about you. He just didn't realize that until two years down the road after, after high school, um, you know, some other guys, uh, Jeremy Elliott, who was at Mount Vernon, um, he was the baseball coach there. And um, my college coach, Ray Riesland, um, who was the head coach at Cornell when I was playing there. And now he's uh, an assistant at Marion High School. And then honestly, um, in that rejuvenation year, what I call it at, at Dubuque Wallert, Travis Zajac, um, who's the head coach at Grundy Center now. Um, him and then uh, Steve Osterberger, who was the head coach at Buena Vista for quite a while. And then at Loris. Um, he was actually ended up being our O-line, D-line guy that year at Wallert. Um, he had a son on the team. He was out of, out of coaching, and he got back into it that year. Um, I really learned a lot from those two guys. Um, and just kind of where I was at in my coaching career, um, it, they really helped kind of challenge me in terms of thinking outside the box, um, X's and O's wise, but also just about, you know, why we're in this profession, profession in the first place um, and really challenged me to get out and, talk to other people, read books, um, and develop a coaching philosophy. I really had, you know, until that year, I really didn't have and sit down and write a true coaching philosophy out. Um, so those guys really, really had a big influence on me. And then obviously, you know, where I'm at now, Kevin Miller, um, I had a relationship with him prior to coming to Solon, um, him, Kurt Ritchie, Eric Trudeau at, at Van Meter. Um, you know, those guys, you know, anytime I reached out to him when I was a young coach, they always made time for me. Um, so those guys, you know, obviously they've been really successful and, 
you know, Kevin told me years ago, you know, rub elbows with those guys that are successful. They're going to leave clues. And I think he actually even mentioned that on, on one of some podcast he was on, maybe he was on one of your guys's. I can't remember last year. I heard him say that. And I was like, Oh, he told me that about eight years ago, you know, rub elbows with those people that have been successful because they're going to leave you clues and, and that's going to rub off on you. Um, so yeah, quite a few people have had an impact on me. And I think anytime you get around great coaches, they're going to leave a mark on, on you if you spend enough time around them. So um, that's kind of the, the version of where I've been and who's influenced me. Now, coach, when you were at Animos, that's where you really had your longest tenure, right? As the head football coach. Yeah. What did you learn about yourself and your coaching style as you, as you go through those first years, really you're in a program um, and you're, and you're kind of all in and, and you know, it's kind of a long-term, at least at the time, yeah. it's going to be a long-term yeah. adventure. What do you learn about yourself and your coaching style? And then as you navigate those years early on, yeah. So, you know, and I, I go back to that, that year before I got to Anamosa really where I, I really learned a lot about myself in terms of, you know, be who you are. You know, don't try to be somebody else, be true to who you are and your values and, and deve develop that value system. So, you know, going into it and in the Anamosa, um, I really felt like I kind of had it figured out as far as who I was as a coach and what I wanted to, to do. Um, but as everyone says, I mean, you, you don't really know until you're a head coach. And even though I was one for one year prior to that, um, this to me was kind of like a restart. And, uh, in, you know, in that year, those three years at Anamosa really, um, you know, we had a lot of adversity, a lot of tragedies in our community that um, affected our football team. You know, a couple of guys on our team that were affected by tragedy. And, you know, you, you find out, you know, I have the term win forever. That's, um, kind of the philosophy I developed, the mantra I de developed and won't go through the whole definition of it, but it really comes down to, you know, attitude, effort, preparation, always compete, no excuses. But then the big piece of that is, you know, your character in any given situation. And, you know, we were really tested those three years in Anamosa with all, everything that happened to us. And you kind of realize, yeah, the X's and O's are super important. And don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, I'm a football junkie. I love the X's and O's part, but you really find out that it's about the relationships that you build with your kids, your coaches, your community. Um, that's where it starts. And I think, you know, if there's one thing looking back on my one year at North Cedar is, you know, I didn't do a very good job of building those relationships to begin with. Um, I kind of put that, I was still kind of in that stage in my career where I was like, you know, it's about the scheme. It's about this, it's about this. Um, and I had it backwards. And then when I had that kind of that rejuvenation year, I, that's when I really figured it out that, you know, they don't care how much I know until they know I care about them. And I think, you know, when I was an assistant out in Ohio, those kids knew I, I loved them. You know, I told them that all the time. They knew that, but I wasn't the head guy. You know, it was di it's different as an assistant. Right. So then when I became a head coach, I kind of felt like that first year, you know, I, I was somebody I, I wasn't and kids see right through that, you know, when you try to be somebody else um, or you're not true to who you are. So that's what I really feel like I did a good job of at Anamosa was, Hey, I, I stayed true to who I was the entire time through adversity. I was there for those kids when, when we went through all those things. Um, and my coaching style was, yeah, you know, I'm not a yeller like my high school coach, but I can be, but I didn't want to be until I had that relationship with those kids until they knew that I truly cared about them. And that's when you can be really demanding with those kids and that mutual respect is there. That trust is there. Um, and it takes time to build that. 
you know, it, it, it really does. Um, so like the first thing I did the first month I was at Animosa, and I know this is, you know, I'm not the only one that does this. Um, I scheduled one-on-one meetings with every single player in the program. Um, I didn't do at home visits, but we scheduled it before weights, after weights, um, random times, just one-on-one. And I did it multiple times with every single kid in the program. Um, you know, from my very first day, which was like the end of May that year. And I did it all the way through June. And then I redid them again in July. Um, so going into August, I mean, those kids had a really good idea of who I was, what I was about. And then more importantly, I mean, I knew who they were, you know, and, and we, a lot of times we didn't talk football a whole lot in those conversations. Now we, we did a little bit, you know, position wise, what, what are your goals? But then we talked about, you know, what, what, what other interests do you have? I want to know about your family. Do you come from a split home? You know, have you had something that's affected your life? You know, those are the things that I think they saw that I cared about them as people first. I didn't just see them as a, you know, an X or an O on the whiteboard. So that was, that was kind of what set me up at, at Anamosa and I think helped us get through those, those three years there. Now, coach, once you left Anamosa and took over, you know, the program that you have now, which had so much tradition as really any program in the state in Iowa, uh, Kevin Miller will be a hall of famer someday when he is eligible. What was it like taking over that story program with a tradition that really few have ever seen in the state? Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know how many times I've been asked that question or we've talked about that, but you know, first of all, I was, I mean, I was just deeply honored and humbled that I was chosen for that, that job. Um, it was such a great opportunity and honestly it was, it was surreal and sometimes it's still surreal um, just to think about where I'm at and um, because it, it was definitely a goal of mine to build something like that or get to a, a place like that down the road. And um, you just don't know when that's going to happen, but um, you know, and I think that the challenges of COVID-19 made it even more interesting to take, take that over, honestly, the timing of it. Um, Cause here's the deal, no matter, no matter who you are really going into a, a program like that, with that tradition, um, taking over for a guy like Kevin, you know, everyone's going to compare you to him, you know, and well, coach Miller would have done it this way or this way. And I think the only way you can, you can do that is you have to be confident in yourself and who you are um, and stay true to who you are because there's going to be challenges. And there was um, challenges along the way. And you got to stay the course and be confident enough in who you are um, to do that because you were chosen for that, for that position. Right. So I kind of knew what those challenges were going to be. Now some of the COVID-19 issues um, made it even more interesting and challenging. Um, There was a lot of things during the summer we weren't allowed to do um, like my one-on-one meetings. Um, Now we were able to do some through zoom, but if you've ever tried to talk to teenagers through zoom, it's not the same. It's not the same. So you know, we, we did some of that. I did some one-on-ones um, through Zoom in the month of May. You know, in June, we still weren't allowed to have contact. Um, so I was doing text messages. I was doing some Zoom calls, um, but it still just wasn't the same to get, try to get to know those kids. Then in July, we were allowed to have some contact, but that contact had to look different, right? We were only allowed to do so much on the field, in the weight room, um, had to be super quick, you know, and there we are, we're trying to install you know, an offense and a defense. And, um, we got some other new coaches on board too. So, you know, you're trying to build relationships and make sure our team's ready at the beginning of the year. 
so July looked a lot different for us as well. And then we go into August and, you know, we were, I, we were a little bit behind, you know, and everybody was, but it's just different when you're taking over a new program. Right. So, um, you know, and I, and I had done my homework obviously. And I had known Kevin, um, for quite a few years, um, before I took that job. So I knew what I was getting into. I had a great, uh, staff that I was inheriting. Those guys were great. And I knew most of them. And then I brought some guys with me, um, to mesh those, those two staffs together. Um, so those, those guys kind of helped me get the lay of the land, um, really to know the nuts and bolts the insides and outs of, of the program. And I, you know, I could really lean on my defensive coordinator who I've known for a long time. He's a Solon grad and, and, and coach there, Aaron Hainfelt. Um, so I could really lean on him to give me some sound advice as well. And then Kevin too, you know, I, I, I reached out to him plenty of times and asked him questions. And, um, but the biggest thing, I think that like, there's a perception that when somebody new comes in, that you're going to just change everything. And I just knew going into it that I didn't want to change everything. I wanted to put my spin on some things, but you know, it wasn't like they were coming off of a bad year or a bad couple of years. They were three, a state runner ups the, the year before. Um, and Kevin had had a long history of success there. So why go on and change things, change things that aren't, aren't broke, right? Why fix it if it's not broke? Um, so I kind of went in with that mentality and, you know, the culture was something that always drew me to Solon. I always noticed that the culture, the culture, and that was one thing I wanted to really make sure that we tried to keep intact and then also have some strategies to even strengthen that culture as, as we bring some new people in and do some different things. And, um, so that was, you know, something that was huge right out, right out the gate that we wanted to do and make sure we establish and make sure our kids knew too, because, you know, again, with COVID-19, there was a lot of change for those kids in a short amount of time and a lot of unknown. So I also knew that I didn't want to come in and just make all these changes and create even more anxiety for these, these kids than we need to make. So, um, we really didn't change a whole lot as far as some of the, like the program development stuff, because it was kind of in line with my philosophy. Anyway, we just kind of built on some of it. Um, we kept a lot of our, our practice, um, things the same. Um, we changed a few things here and there. Um, and then offensively, um, they had been a spread team. Um, the last three years, like spread more to throw with three division one players, um, with, and Cam Miller as a quarterback and then AJ Coons as a receiver and Jace Andrick is another receiver, um, all D one kids. Um, so they were, you know, thrown around everywhere and we knew we were going to have to change that just from who we had coming back. Um, so, you know, even some of the small changes we made, you'd uh, be surprised how that just like kind of blew some of the kids and even some of our coaches out of the water because they had done things really one way for so long. And that, I knew that going into it, if we made a ton of changes, it was just not going to go well. So we had to kind of be really calculated with some of the changes we made. And we didn't always do a great job of it. And we got better as it kind of went along is if we did change something, let's, let's give them the reason behind it. Let's the why, why, what's the why behind this. Um, and I think we had a couple instances really early on where we kind of fell on our face flat on our face from changing something and it didn't go well. I'm like, well, we need to do a better job of explaining why we're changing it so that these, <laughs> these kids are stay bought in. Um, so, you know, that's, that, that's kind of what it was like taking over. Um, it's been an awesome experience though. We had, we had a great year. Um, absolutely loved it. So. 
Now, Coach, not only were you take you you know going to be the new head coach at Solon, you're also going to be the offensive coordinator for the first time in your career. Yeah. Uh, so explain what that process was like, and you kind of touched on a little bit. You know, they they were a spread team, and and you know, I mean, when you talk Division One guys too, I mean, Cam Miller's at North Dakota State, and and AJ Coons is at South Dakota State, and um, the Andre kid is at Iowa, right? North, I mean, Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa, yeah. yeah. So I mean, yep. I mean the, I mean some really really good FCS programs. I mean, they weren't yeah. just um, preferred walk-ons or gimme stuff. I mean, they're, I mean, there were legitimate offers. So I mean, I. Anybody listening to this is probably thinking, yeah, I mean, they, they were they were really, really good. I mean, it wasn't just yeah. that. So yeah. so you come in and you're going to be the office coordinator and, and you're going to make some changes. Uh, what was that like? Well, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd been a defensive coordinator my whole career, but I was always always involved on the offense as a head coach. And as you get as I went through my background, obviously, I, I played offense. I started my career on offense and um <sighs> Someone told me, and I honestly, I can't remember if it was, um, if it was Coach Dylan or if it was, uh, might have been Coach Davis up at University of Dubuque when I was there. Um, I've always been an offensive guy, but I knew kind of going into that when I decided I was going to do this and I maybe wanted to be a head coach eventually that I wanted to start on the defensive side because I felt like eventually that was going to make me a better offensive coordinator um, and, and a head coach, just knowing you know, knowing what defenses don't like and what they, what they do like, and you know, what, what, how you can put them in disadvantageous situations. Um, so that being said, um, if I, if I would have been at, at Anamosa that fourth year, I was switching over to, to the OST duty. So, you know, I had been, been preparing, um, some stuff, you know, in that winter, uh, spring. And then when I, I got the job at Solon, you know, I wasn't sure at first, but then when I kind of took a look at um, who we had for coaches already on staff and then who were the available coaches that I was bringing on. And again, you know, you only have so many contracts and you can only bring in so many volunteers. And I didn't want to overload our staff with with new people. Um, I didn't want to get too many cooks in the kitchen. But when I looked at our staff, man, we were really defensive heavy and kind of defensive minded. And then I looked at everybody else on our staff and like that, you know, who could call the offense? If I didn't do it, could I call the defense? Well, I had a guy that I knew I could trust with the defense, same kind of philosophy, Aaron Hainfelt. Um, I knew right off the bat that I could trust him with the defense and that our philosophies matched pretty well. Offensively, there just wasn't, you know, and that's not a, a knock on any of our coaches. There just wasn't, and there wasn't really anyone that wanted to either. So um, I was just kind of naturally the, the fit for that. And I also thought it was super important too, because it, somebody had brought it up, you know, do you want to bring in an OC, have someone call the defense too, and you can just kind of manage. And that didn't, I was like, nope, not doing that. I don't know if I'll ever not call offense or defense. I just don't know if I can do that personally. Um, so that's how it kind of matri uh, matriculated there was with me calling the offense. It just kind of, you know, it was the best fit. Um, then from talking with, uh, our coaches, then I really wanted to look at, okay, what's going to be the best system for the guys that we have coming back. I watched film from the previous year, kind of took note of who was returning, who wasn't, um, watched some of the JV film, freshman film, just to see, you know, what our strengths were. And again, what kind of 
put us at a disadvantage is I wasn't able to see those kids work out in June. I couldn't see them work out until July. And, um, you know, which was the case everywhere. Um, some kids obviously didn't miss some developmental time and, you know, March, April, May, and June. Um, sure. A lot of our kids were doing stuff on their own. They're doing as much as they could, but it's not the same as being in the weight room with, you know, 50 of your, of your football buddies. So once we, once we were able to do that and I, you know, talked to, um, all the coaches, I talked to coach Miller, kind of what his thoughts were. Um, it was pretty evident that, you know, I thought we were going to be, uh, more of a power run football team gap scheme, um, zone, not really, you know, we did a little bit of zone this year, but, um, you know, kind of like coach Simpson, you know, we didn't major in it. Um, and it's probably not even how zone guys would actually block it, you know, cause we didn't run it that much. So, um, yeah, and that's, that's kind of how, how we came into that and what that process was like and, um, you know, and how I got prepared. Now, coach, you have some film for us and let's go. I mean, we really want to dive into um, what you went into and what you, what you went with. And like yeah. you said, you're going to be a power run football team. It's, it's year, year one and you're kind of transitioning from the spread. Yeah. Uh, let's see how it went. Yeah. So, you know, before I, before I share some film with you guys, I'll just talk a little bit about, um, you know, we went to the gun T Kenny Simpson's gun T system um, for a couple of reasons. Um, I've always been a spread power, power spread guy. Okay. That's, that's been my, you know, I love power. I love the power play. Um, and then one of my offensive line coaches, I'm blessed with two really good offensive line coaches and they both have wing T backgrounds. Um, and one of them has always kind of pushed me to look at more wing T, you know, we ran some buck in 2017 and 18 and we're really successful with it. So when I started looking at Kenny's stuff, I just, I love the fact that it can be very adaptable year in and year out to your, your high school kids, because you're just, you know, like he says all the time, you get what you get at the high school level. And I think it's very important at the high school level that you adapt your system to what you have and not the other way around. Um, so that was one thing I really liked about it. And then when we looked at our kids, we just felt like, man, these guys are going to be grinders. They're going to be physical and we need to run the football and we got to establish something early and establish a mindset. And I'd like that from a culture standpoint too, of it being my first year that I wanted to establish a tough physical football team um, right off the bat. And I wanted that to be known. 